0: a nation who will delight in him and do his perfect good. and my friend I feel the time is growing nearer, we shall see our Savior as he is but until then I'll lift the name until then, I'll lead His lost sheep to the full I'll tell the world that Jesus lives. He still saves and He still heals. And you can still find sweet refuge for your soul. Any day I'm gonna move to my new it's custom built by Jesus Christ, the King of Kings And when we gather around the throne with our Savior We're going to sing songs the angels cannot sing But until then I'll lift the name of Jesus until then I'll leave his lost sheep to the fold I'll tell the world that Jesus lives he still saves and he still lives and you can still find sweet refuge for your soul but until then I'll lift the name of Jesus until then I'll lead his lost sheep to the fold I'll tell the world that Jesus lives he still says and he still heals and you can still find sweet refuge for your soul you can still find sweet refuge for
1: Thank you, Brother Terry. Until then, if you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and I want to share a passage. Luke chapter 19. This morning I want to share a sermon that I've entitled, Occupy Until I Come. Occupy Until I Come. I guess I could have entitled it, Until Then. Uh, But Occupy Until I Come. In Luke 19, we find Jesus kindly on the the brink of entering (laughs) Jerusalem. And what later would be called his triumphant entry, we refer to it as Palm Sunday. He'd been heading toward Jerusalem since chapter 9, verse 51. And all along the way on his trip to Jerusalem, Jesus had been predicting his suffering, predicting his rejection, predicting his, his death, predicting that to his disciples that death was awaiting him at Jerusalem. But after telling, all of, uh, telling his disciples all of this, his disciples just kindly shrugged his comments off, Because they thought once that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem that he would declare himself a king, he'd set up his kingdom, and they would be rid of the Roman Empire forever. After all, they had been praying that this would take place for over a thousand years. But Jesus was thinking, not so fast. Not so fast. Do you ever get in a hurry? I mean I get in a hurry. We have several in our church who are runners. Uh, there are two primary classes of runners. There's a short distant runner. They run the fifty yard dash, a hundred yard dash. You give it all you have for just kind of a short distance. And then you have long distance runners. You have those who run the, the 5K and the 10K and the half marathon, the full marathon, the triathlon, and it just goes on and on. It takes more training. It takes more investment in time. And it takes more investment in patience for a long distance runner than a short-distant runner. And so the disciples at this time, they were willing to be short-distant runners. Uh, We want the kingdom to come today, Jesus. I mean, as soon as you get into Jerusalem, we want you to set up your kingdom. And Jesus is saying in this passage, he's saying, no, not so fast. That's not going to happen today, Not, not today. And then he tells them a parable about the need for them to be long distant runners in regards to Christianity. And so look if you will at verse eleven. As they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that his kingdom because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and to return. And he called his ten servants. He, de- he delivered them ten pounds. And he said to them, Occupy until I come. Now I'll ask you later, I'm not going to go into the full depth of this parable. I want us to focus on that verse, verse 13, where he says, Occupy till I come. You see, the essence of this parable in one simple sentence is take what I've given you, use it to benefit my kingdom, because one day I'm going to return. And so I want to mention three simple points real quick in the time we have. A gift that was given, a command that was given, and a return that is expected. Now, this nobleman, this king, which is none other than Jesus Christ, he is the king. You know, he's not just a king, but the Bible says he is the king of kings. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 1 Timothy 6.15. Revelation chapter 19 verse 16 says, He has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, king of kings and lord of lords now I want you to notice friend this morning that the nobleman the king the king gave he gave he delivered literally he handed his servants these ten pound about one tenth of a talent now in the parable he uses a monetary gift but here's the point The point is that he gave his servants what they needed to make an investment in his kingdom. He's done the same for you. He's done the same for me. God's given you and he's given me the necessary gifts that we need in order to make an investment in his kingdom. Now if you will, just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and I want to point out just a few verses as we focus upon the importance of using our spiritual gifts. Now, Mike Norton recently did a study on spiritual gifts. I believe it was Mike. But anyway, the study was, was, was taught and did a fantastic job on, on explaining the gifts. But in chapter 12, verse 1, notice, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. In verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The spiritual gift that you have in your life is for one purpose, and that's to profit the body of Christ. It's to build up the body. It's to edify the body. Verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And so some will have two gifts or three gifts or four gifts or five gifts. It really, you know, we dependent on the person and dependent on how the Holy Spirit distributes the spiritual gifts. But all have spiritual gifts. Look at verse twelve. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we've all been baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. We've been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but it's many. And then verses 15 through 22, he talks about how all the members of the body of Christ are important. And so the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has given you, has given me the gift in order to invest in the kingdom work. And so a gift was given. The gift was given to the servants, a monetary gift to be used in the kingdom work, but the point being, they were given what they needed to invest in the kingdom work. And so are we. But notice secondly, not only is a gift given, but there is a command given. This is found in verse 13. The C part of that verse simply says, Occupy until I've come. I've given you a gift to invest in the kingdom work. And he says simply, Occupy until I come. Take your gift, invest it, put it to work, put it to work for the king, put it to work for his kingdom. Now, we have from... From the time that we've received our spiritual gift Until the time that we die Or the time that the Lord returns To use our gift for the king and for the kingdom That's the only time we have From the time we received our gift As becoming a Christian To the time that we die Or the time that the Lord returns We only have that length of time To use our gift for the king and for his kingdom and so we are to occupy till he comes. The word occupy is a stewardship term. It's a monetary term. And it simply means to invest. Take your, take your talents, your 10 pounds, and go invest it in the kingdom. So he's telling us today, take your, take your spiritual gifts, the one, the many that I've given you, and go invest that into the kingdom. Invest yourself into the kingdom work. Listen, I believe with all my heart, there's nothing more important than the kingdom work. Because as you invest yourself in the kingdom work, you'll better your relationship with your spouse. You'll better your relationship with your family. We found last Sunday night, you'll be a better employee or you 'll be a better employer the more you invest of yourself into the kingdom, it just makes a better person out of you Amen. and so he says, "Listen, occupy until I come, take yourselves, invest yourselves, invest what you have into the kingdom work. So the big question today is this: are you occupying are you occupying in the kingdom work are you are you putting your gift to work? Are you investing in the kingdom work now Um, in order to be a, a, a runner, a long-distance runner, uh, you have to stay focused. I mean, you, you have to set your mind. I can do this. I believe I can do this. Uh, this is a challenge, but I believe I can meet this challenge. And if I train, if I go through the certain stages of training, if I watch my diet, if I, if I exercise, if I practice, I know I can do this. So you stay focused by setting your mind. Then you stay focused by setting your eyes. You set your eyes on the next mile marker. You set your eyes on a friend that's going to be standing along the course just to encourage you on. You set your eyes on the the water station that you're coming up to. You set your eyes primarily at the end on the finish line. That's what the the runner does. But the problem that so many of us experience today is is maintaining our focus in the Christian race. Maintaining our focus. (coughs) Now, I'm going to list a few things that will hinder your focus in the Christian race. And if your race is not what it should be right now, if you're not running the race like you should be running, it may be because of one of these things that I mentioned. And I'm just going to mention three or four. First of all, one thing that will hinder you and to hinder your focus from running the Christian race is simply the world. The world will cause you to lose focus. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. God's Word says in James 4 verse 4, You adulterers and adulteresses, he's speaking of spiritual adultery. Know ye not that your friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Matthew 16, 26 says, What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So the point being, if you're not committed to the king and to his kingdom as you once were, ask yourself this question. Is the world taking me off focus in my Christian life? Am I committed more to the world than I am to the king and to his kingdom? And so worldliness will cause you not to be focused in your Christian life. The second thing is your job. Now I know everybody has to work. And I know everybody has to make a living. You, Judah and I, when we have our prayer time, one thing that I pray for is people's jobs. And people say, you know, I was talking to a young lady last night in a cafe and and she just came over and sat down. I asked her when she walked by, I said, well, how are you doing? She said, fine. I said, how's your day going? She just sat down and she began to share a personal testimony about her job and, and how discouraged she was about her job. And I said, well, I'll pray with you about your job. I pray about people's jobs. I pray for jobs. I pray that you keep your job. I pray that you're able to find a job. I know how important it is to, to have a job, to, to make a living and pay your bills and, and to have the necessities that you need in life. That's why God gave us. And that's why God gave you six days to work and one day to worship Him and to rest. Amen. Because He knew how important it was for you to work. And to be able to work, physically able to work. Be careful. Because in the process of counting your surplus and building your bigger barns, you'll lose focus on investing your spiritual gift for the king and for the kingdom. Be careful. Your job can hinder you. It can take you off focus. But i noticed notice something else. Not only your job will take you off focus, but a tragedy and a trial will take you off focus. I mean, a tragedy or a trial will cause you to take your eyes off the race. It may be the death of a loved one. It may be the, the sickness of a family member. You just can't stay focused because all you're thinking about is, is that person's sickness. It can take you off focus. A tornado can take you off focus. A rebuilding process can take you off focus in serving God as the king and serving His kingdom. So in order to go through those times, we must do everything possible to maintain our focus on Him. We must stay in His Word, read His Word, study His Word, hear His Word, claim His promises of His Word, worship Him. Because the Bible says, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16 verse 33. And so there is a gift given. There is a command given. Occupy till I come. And then there are some things that hinder us. And let me just mention a couple of more. And I followed these when I was walking over from the education building from my study. And I thought, well, you know, I need to jot those down, Lord. Thank you for giving me those. I'll tell you something that will hinder and take you off focus. First of all is unforgiveness. We talked about that last week. Let me encourage you, if you missed last Sunday, you need to pick up one of these go-forward commitments and make things right between you and someone else and between you and God. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter 24, verse 16, just a minute. Acts 24, and I want to look at uh, verse 16. God gave me this as I was walking over for the service. And I believe this really is important for us to remember. Acts 24, verse 16. He says, And herein do I exercise myself to have always, that's an important word, to have always a conscience void of offense to God and toward man do you have a clear conscience I hear people speak of that you may be hearing some more preaching on this later on do you have a clear conscience people say well he uh, just don't have a clear conscience you have a clear conscience you know you know what Paul saying here he saying, listen this is one thing I purpose in my heart in my life is to always have a clear conscience toward God And toward my fellow man. I'm going to tell you something to take you off focus. And that is if you have anger and resentment and bitterness. And you just sit at home refusing to work for the king and his kingdom. Because unforgiveness will cause you, my friend, to lose focus. There are people perhaps not here today or in some other church They're just setting home, just brewing at home simply because they don't have a clear conscience toward God and toward their fellow man. And because of that, they're not fit for the kingdom and his work. It's taking them off focus. That will take you off focus. And the fifth thing I'll mention is unfair (coughs) criticism. Just your critics. And I've realized recently, you're going to have your critics I came home yesterday and I was sharing some things with Judy that, that, that I was confronted with when I went to Phil Campbell yesterday. Just unfair criticism. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know here, here's a person that is not doing one thing for the Lord or His kingdom, but yet just criticizing people. And friend, listen, I've decided I'm not going to let some old backslidden gossiper hinder me and take me off focus in serving my Lord and serving His kingdom. And and that person will if you permit them to. That's right. God helps. Are you permitting criticism or a critical person take you off focus? So you have a gift given, you have a command given, occupy till I come. And then there's a return expected, and I'll close with this. He says, occupy till I come. Now, there's some things that we know for certain in the Bible. There are some things. I've had people ask me this week some, some things. Well, do you know why this happens? And can you explain this? And, and I said, No, but I'll tell you, I can tell you. I can tell you four things I know for sure. Number one, I know for sure that Jesus was born, Luke chapter 2. And it's a historical, it's documented. I know He was born. Secondly, I know He died. Luke chapter 23. And then third, I know He arose again. Luke chapter 24. Proved Himself by post-resurrection appearances. Showed Himself to many people. And then I know that He's coming again. According to Acts chapter 1 verse 11. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that you've seen go up into heaven will come again in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So we know he's coming again. So he says, Occupy until I come. Jesus is saying in Luke 19 to them and to us, I'm going away for a while, but in the meantime, I'm still king. And there's still work to be done. In fact, while I'm away, my work can be done only through you. He doesn't use some social club to do it. He doesn't use some other organization to do it. He uses a church to do it. He uses his people to do it. And if you don't try, Jesus is saying, nothing is going to happen And because of that, the gospel is too important just to lay idle, occupy, until I come. And so you have a gift given, you have a command given, and then you have a return that's expected. And so it brings us down to the close, and it's this. This morning, you may need to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ into your life to be Lord and Savior of your life. And when you do, he's going to give you at least one spiritual gift, perhaps more. And for the, extreme, for the exact purpose, for you to serve in the king and, to, and serve his kingdom. You may need to come today and say, Lord, I'm going to give you my heart, I'm going to give you my life. I'm turning my life over to you. And then as a believer, as a Christian, you might want to come just in a renewed commitment as a Christian, just to finish the race. So Lord, I've been distracted. I've been distracted by some of those things that Brother Sammy mentioned and others he didn't mention. Maybe it's the world. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a hypocrite. Maybe it's criticism. Whatever. But I realize my spiritual need to kindly refocus at this time. And then I can honestly pray. Listen, can you pray this prayer? Can you honestly pray from your heart today? Lord, please come back today please come back today today well Judy and I we're celebrating our 35th year here today January the 8th 1978 preached my first sermon yeah In the old building. Corey liked a week being a year old. I've mentioned this hundreds of times, I know, but anyway, it's important to us. And she's 36 today. Today Today's her birthday. I preached at another church on New Year's Sunday, then here on the 8th. Corey's birthday is the 13th. And so I got thinking about all that. And Paul had this passage of scripture. And I pray that when when my time ends on this old worth and my ministry's over with, I can just kindly have the same words as Paul had. Well, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished the course and I've kept the faith. Are you focused? You need to refocus? You got your eye on the finish line? Being hindered? Using your spiritual gifts? Sold out completely to God? Be willing to die serving Him and Doing anything else? That'd be a way to go, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Working on church building? <laughs> and not would be a way to go? Staying focused, using your spiritual gifts? I pray you can be, I pray this can be read of you also. Let's have a prayer together. Father, thank you for an opportunity.